Hey guys, it's Noah. Before we start today's show, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, which is us. That's right. Uh, this show is sponsored by There Is No Godcast. We're having a merchandise campaign through Bonfire to try and make a little bit of that cheddar cheese. So head on over to Bonfire. Uh, search Ting, T-I-N-G. Uh, we should be pretty close to the top of the search results. You'll see There Is No Godcast on these sweet shirts, uh, hoodies, tank tops, all kinds of things. We've got uh, men's, women's, uh, youth sizes. We've got it all. So go on over there. They're very, very reasonably priced. We get a little cut out of every item sold, um, and I'd really appreciate the support. And you get, you know, you get to keep the shirt. You don't just have to give us money for nothing. You get a shirt or a hoodie or a tank top or whatever, uh, whatever sounds good. So if you've never been to Bonfire, just go to bonfire.com, search for Ting in the in the search bar there. Uh, you should have no trouble finding us. I'm also going to be putting links on our Facebook, on our Twitter, wherever it is you can find us. You'll find the Bonfire link, and you got to get over there now. Uh, it's it's a limited time only campaign. They only allow us to set uh, a finite window so that they can print everything in one big batch. Um, I'm very confident that we're going to re reach the minimum in order to have the batch get printed. We've already sold. Um, we're only one shy of the minimum, and I haven't even started advertising this thing yet. So get in there. I think it goes until April 15th. Uh, that's how long you have to get in there and get some of the sweet, sweet merch. Hey, fun story. When I was in sixth grade, um, I was in a spelling bee. I was so excited about it because I'm cocky and I'm a really good speller. So I was in sixth grade and uh, the person who came in first place in our classroom was going to get to go to like the countywide competition. And I was like, oh man, I got this in the bag. I'm, an, I'm at least going to win in my classroom. Yeah, uh, eliminated on the very first word. And that word was bonfire. Could not remember if it had a D in it. Uh, yeah, so it clearly doesn't still haunt me to this day. Uh, B-O-N-F-I-R-E is, in fact, the correct spelling of the word bonfire. So head on over to bonfire.com, find the merch campaign, buy some frickin' merch, as my co-host on my other show would say, only he wouldn't say frickin'. All right, now to the show. Godcast, the official podcast of Northern Indiana Atheists. And now, here's your host, Noah Bush. What's up, all you non-believers, and welcome back to There Is No Godcast, the official podcast of Northern Indiana Atheists. I am your host, Noah Bush. We're back. There was a little bit of a delay there. Uh, life happens, and, you know, I did five full episodes in a row, so that was that was fun. But it's also a lot of work, um, and I have my other show, and that was a lot of work. So, yeah, just it was kind of a combination of uh, procrastination. I think I need a little bit of a break. My life was legitimately busy, uh, and then there was also the fact that uh, today's guest and I had just a little bit of trouble getting our schedules in line. We we it was kind of a comedy of errors. Um, but today, finally, successfully, I am proud to tell you that we are joined by a good friend of mine, uh, vice president of the board of Northern Indiana Atheists, Daniel Dick. Welcome to the show. Hi, Noah. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me on. This has been a long time coming. I mean, you you and I have it been has. talking about you coming on this show since like before the show even existed. 
Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we both have young kids and they make loud noises when they go to bed. You know how it is. And so we um, yeah. we found a day to get to get this done. What is this, like our third or fourth try to like to like actually make it happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh it is. Oh, my gosh. I, there was seriously the, – the closest you and I came – was that there was a night where I was like, okay, when my kids are in bed, like I'll, we'll go in and I'll, I'll start recording. And we had kind of uh-huh. we were just about at that point, And I was like, all right, we're going to start pretty soon, Daniel. And you were ready to go. You even said to me, up. you were like, yeah. well, hold on. Let me finish my popsicle. Cause I even have a note here yeah. that I was going to ask you, how was your popsicle? <laughs> like, these are the notes I have from like a week and a half ago. And then it was great. Thank you for asking. You're, you're it was, welcome. It, it was great. Thank you. It was, it was great. Do you remember? And they're all gone now. I, I ate the whole box. Yeah. You by yourself yeah. ate the whole box? Um, I had a little help, but pretty much. No, not oh. not that night. Since uh since <laughs> a, a couple of weeks ago, I think that the 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 box was eaten 95% by me. I was going to say um, like I, did you come on the show but, to tell your atheist story and your recovery from popsicle addiction? Like is that Well, see, yeah, the recovery part hasn't happened yet. The addiction's still there. I'm working on it, but taking well, that, it day by day. The first step to recovery to... is admitting that you have a problem, Daniel. That's right. So before before you asked me to before we set this up tonight, I was actually eating sherbet that I got. So I'm I'm kind of breaking myself off the habit and uh, That's how um, you like wean yourself off. Death. Wean myself off. That's right. That's like, it's like sherbet is like the next step down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, uh, um, uh, what's the thing they, uh, that, that, uh, EMTs give people when they Narcan. You know, Narcan. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so what's the next step after sherbet? Is it like Luigi's Italian ice? Is that like the next step before you <laughs> like go cold turkey? Or gelato. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway, so we were sitting there. You were enjoying a tasty popsicle, and I was like, "All right, let's go. We're ready to go." And I had I had jinxed it because do you remember I told you I was like, "I haven't heard a peep from my kids in like twenty plus minutes," and then literally not like sixty seconds after that, my my oldest um, appeared at my door, and I was just like, "Son of a!" I was like, "Oh my god, Daniel!" I was like, "Daniel, I'm so sorry, but like my kid is still awake, and it was already like after nine or whatever it was." And I was yeah. like, "Man, I'm yeah. fried." I think you were fried because you had had a busy day. And we were like, let's yeah. just let's just try this tomorrow. And then obviously that didn't wind up happening. And now here we are. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because as soon as you told me that that your oldest had, you know, knocked on the door or whatever, uh, my baby girl started screaming in the background. Right. <laughs> she right, she right, was right. she was asleep and then um she, she was complaining of, of something in her ear. Um her ear was bothering her and she's okay, she's fine. We thought maybe it was an ear infection, but um she had this like intense ear thing and so she was screaming at the top of her lungs right after you said that so i was like you know what hey you know it's it, it just it's not going to happen tonight from from either one of us so but we're here right she just, she just needs to pray it away she just needs to pray exactly. the ear pain away that's how it works right or drop some essential right. oils down in there some some, uh-huh. some some peppermint and eucalyptus or whatever right um, right yeah, and today we we both kind of were like you've got the house to yourself i think you told me you everything is quiet on your end um, Pretty my much. kids are yeah. still up and running because I was frankly, I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. If you guys hear my kids running yeah. around or making noise, like I don't care. It's so tough to stay up that late to always kind of accommodate right. the silence of these interviews. I'm just like kind of over it. Um, so we're just going to give this a try. I don't even care. I'm, I'm all out of, you know, what's to give, but this, uh, this interview is kind of like the, what's the name of that guns and roses album that took like 15 years, like uh Chinese democracy. Am I getting that right? You're a music nerd. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that took took a long time. That was their latest one, right? Yeah, the newest one that took like literally yeah. like almost two decades. But not really new, but yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it's new now because they finally released it within the last couple years, but right. it just took forever. Or like the new, the new Tool album that's not, that's done, but it hasn't hit the, you know, hit, hit our ears yet. So Right, right. Or the, uh, or the, the next Game of Thrones book, you know, that George R.R. R. Martin's been taking. <laughs> we, we could go yeah. on and on. But yeah, you're here now. Um, so we've got some stuff mm-hmm. to talk about today, Daniel. You're going to make history. You're going to yeah. make Ting history because you are going to be our first ever wire to wire you're not just you're not just a guest interview you are a guest host today because you're going to be here from beginning to end um when molly joined the show i think i did the first segment by myself i talked about mr livers and his you know bullshit uh, psychic powers and that, that was, was incredible yes. oh you, did you like yeah, that one? i had goosebumps i had goosebumps when i was listening to it it was intense yeah oh my gosh daniel you're making me blush <laughs> i appreciate and I think that I t- yeah yeah so this is gonna I, this is gonna happen from the beginning to the end, huh? Yeah. So you're gonna be the first wire to wire guest host. I'm excited for it. Um, so yeah, you're gonna be here from the Molly stayed through to the end once she joined the show because she was sitting right here with me in studio, but she wasn't here at the beginning. And um, you and I talked about this before because you know we talked before we came on air about like you know I always, I usually ask people like you know put some thought into what you want to say and we're gonna do Daniel's atheist story time. Um, but you would express mm-hmm. some interest in like, hey, you know, could I be on the other parts of the show too? And, you know, I was like, yeah, absolutely, man. That would be awesome to have someone to kind of have a nice conversation about. Um, and because this episode has been gestating for so long, what I had suggested to you was going to be my topic du jour. And I think I shared mm-hmm. an article on the Facebook page. I'm, I'm sure I did. It was about Captain Marvel. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, have you seen the movie yet? I'm I'm assuming not, because you were you were pretty transparent with me about not being a huge like comic book movie fan. I like the stuff. I like. Uh, I, I I think it's cool. I just haven't had the the time to be able to keep up with it. And sure, if I go to a movie or something like that, I bring baby girl along, and she doesn't. She's not into that kind of stuff yet. Although I'm sure she will. She like Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. But we haven't had a chance to see that. But I had heard some stories on NPR about it. So I kind of have an idea of what um, uh, some of the controversy and critics you know, had to say about it a little bit. But I'm n- in no way near an expert or um, uh, privy to everything that surrounds that uh, sure. movie. Or the, uh, I believe it's a prequel where it's supposed to sum up all the things um, to bring, I guess, a bunch of people got killed, right? Well, yeah, and honestly, we don't need to go off the deep end in terms okay. of the actual canon of the MCU, because, like, really, and I think I remember telling you this at the time, like, frankly, you don't really need to have seen the movie to understand what the controversy is about and kind of understand the ridiculousness of the controversy, um, because really, okay. what the what's at issue here, right, um, and the reason why this is ultimately relevant to this show, because a lot of people who are listening to this right now are probably thinking, like, what does Captain Marvel have to do with atheism? Um, well, I'm so glad you asked. I'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> um so Captain Marvel is is female driven. Obviously, the the title character is a female. It's 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 very female centric film, and a lot of men uh, have an issue with that. You know, they're very okay. insecure and very uncomfortable with the idea that a strong, powerful, you know, heroic woman could carry a superhero movie by her little own lonesome. And there was a yeah. there there was a particular article written by, and I'm trying to find it. Here it is. Um, a Christian writer can't handle the feminist, quote, insanity in Captain Marvel. And, like, you can kind of fill in the blanks from there. Like, the, the gist of the article is there, there's, there's this Christian blogger, this outspoken, like, Christian Christian, uh, Christian gentleman 
who basically said like it's insane like the idea of a woman being a strong fighter and like a warrior figure um is insane that like you know that it's crazy that these days like our our culture is like celebrating the abandonment of these traditional princess roles and talking about like mm. basically what a tragedy this is and i'm like oh my god seriously go screw yourself dude um and it's kind of a it's part of a larger issue which is just the the overarching topic of toxic masculinity within the christian church um and, and i'm sure you would agree do you have any thoughts on that just at a glance well, when, yeah. So when you were talking about it, uh, one of when you mentioned that this was a, a Christian person um, talking about how um, society has is deteriorating because of a, a female strong uh, a strong female role in a movie. One of the first things that came to my mind was Joan of Arc, and or um, you know Mulan, somebody who is a, a female in history, you know, hundreds of years ago that 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 made a, an actual. Uh, was an actual hero, uh, female hero, um, in, in history and how it's not really an accumulation of society coming to a, a point right now where, um, women are becoming strong and becoming, uh, uh, heroes. They've always been heroes. It's only just now becoming, I guess, like more acceptable societally to, to recognize that fact. The fact that it's it's uh, yeah exactly that it's been kind of pushed down by you know toxic masculinity. So what I think uh, if we were to look back into history, we would find that there are many many strong female heroes um, that actually existed that weren't just part of stories that have been ignored by our you know male centric society or toxic mas- masculinity that's always happened, and it's only becoming celebrated now, but it's always existed. Right. Because, I mean, like, because you hear the expression all the time, that like, history is written by the winners, right? And, like, typically, traditionally, exactly. you know, religion has been a patriarchal institution, right? I mean, like, and, like, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, well, why? Like, why are people so upset about this movie, this Captain Marvel movie, where it's this, you know, this woman who is this, this strong character, and it's, why are people so bothered by this? And I really do think that there's a lot of ties to um, religion, because honestly, like, in our society, a lot of where sexism and misogyny and things like that are rooted in are these kind of traditional, quote unquote, these traditional roles that women are supposed to have. And a lot of these roles are sort of, you know, assigned to them um, from roots in religious beliefs. I mean, when you look at the Bible, right. you know, God is always portrayed as a man. He's always referred to as a father, never a mother, Although always, always the in, father. In the Bible, to be fair, in the Bible, it does say that God is neither male nor female. But when when it's when it's used in literature or when somebody's talking about God, they always use the male pronoun. Always, 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 you know, and obviously Christ was a man. Um, You know, when you look specifically within the realm of Catholicism, uh, women are not permitted to be priests, you know, which I guess inherently doesn't make any sense. Well, like, why not? You know, like women can't love God just as much as men love God. Like even this is coming from an atheist and I still think it's unfair. And it's, you know, and you know, Eve literally in, according to the Bible, the the female gender is literally just uh, leftover scraps of the man. Like, isn't that I'm getting that right? Right? Isn't Eve created from like the spare rib of Adam? 
Right, right. It was, you know, just a creation of spare parts. Yeah, exactly. They were just made from, you know, spare parts. And then, of course, women are to blame for original sin, according to the Bible, you know, as far as Eve, you know, taking a bite of the the, the apple. And um, you've got right. the story of Samson and Delilah. And, like, she's the evil one who cuts off his hair and betrays and Like, and all that stuff. Like, the, the Bible is well, full. Well, she sucked the truth out of him. And, like, a, she she uh, attempted, she used, she used her, quote-unquote, feminine wiles to get his secret from him right right so and then you've got people like uh, his name is greg morse uh this is the the author of this article um and i'm quoting um the article about the article that says a staff writer for the website desiring god says he quote cannot help but mourn the direction disney has taken its female leads going from women like sleeping beauty and snow white who needed princes to save them, to Captain Marvel, who is just fine on her own. Thank you very much. And that's an excellent point that the article makes. That This, this writer is basically saying, oh, it's, it's to be mourned that these Snow White um, Sleeping Beauty princesses who are just really glorified damsels in distress. You know, they are portrayed as basically not, not being able to save themselves, not capable, you know, not, not willing, not interested. They need a strong man to save the day. And this writer is saying that's how it should be. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah. But you know, this, the, the same rhetoric that this guy is using has been around for a long time. I remember as a kid growing up in a, a non-denominational evangelical um, family and church community where they were always talking about Disney and how terrible Disney was. And we weren't allowed to watch Disney movies because there was a, you know, a witch or a witchcraft in it or something like that. So the idea that, that, um, uh, or even just like the uh, Berenstein Bears, for example, um, or Berenstein Bears. I, I forget which is the correct pronunciation. Tomato, tomato. The, yeah, they just stories like that um, had 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 a, a strong female role in there, and the Christian Church has always been like attacking that ever since I can remember. Right. When I was a kid, so this right. is nothing new. Disney didn't just start to help society move along or or um, uh, give a give a character a breaking role. Yeah, absolutely. And just but, like to your point, this this is there's always been this sort of knee jerk um, defensive attitude on, on on the part of a lot of, I guess, quote unquote, traditional value types of evangelicals that like strong women are scary to them. Like the idea that a woman does not need a man to save her or that a woman is capable of being her own savior is just for whatever reason, very threatening to a patriarchal institution like like the Christian or Catholic churches, you know, and I guess you could see, like that's that's not going over so well for them these days. Those types of uh, those types of viewpoints are becoming, uh, thankfully, much less prevalent. Or I guess they're you know there's right. they're they're getting a lot of pushback, you know, in in the age of Me Too, um, and obviously mm-hmm. the the internet is making it a lot easier for people to sort of I guess push back against these ideas and are like, wait, no, this is dumb. Like this is dumb. Now, Noah, you were you were um, raised in a Catholic church, right? With a Catholic background, right? See, si, uh, correcto. And and uh, what I've heard from my Catholic friends and people that uh, that I know who are Catholic, they always talk about how um, that their their tradition is is very. When I talk about you know women not being able to be priests and things like that, they always talk about. Um, the Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary, as somebody who's a very strong figure. But then when they talk about her, the things that they are describing are sort of like weak, somebody who needs to be saved or somebody who takes care of the lesser people or somebody who's more concerned about the lesser people where um, taking care of all the stuff that the man doesn't have time for. Right. I I think so. Yeah. And like that's that's kind of like I don't think that 
that any religion really necessarily like says that women don't have virtue, but like the, the virtues that women are, like, I, I guess, allowed to have in the eyes of, of right. most organized religion are that of the nurturer, that of the mother, you know, that of the supporter, but like never that of the leader, right? Like women are never allowed right. to be strong leaders. They're never allowed to be strong in terms of uh, uh, physically. They're never presented as being physically strong or physically capable, um, there's just so many things that women are like, yeah, okay, well, there's all these things that women are great at, but not this and not that, and certainly not this. And oh, a woman priest, yeah, right, you know, and I didn't really have anywhere where I, that I was going in particular with that point, but it's just easy to ramble. And I guess, like, in fairness, there's validity to be pointed out in that we are two men, like, right? Like, it's like, well, you know, you're having all these opinions on how unfair things are for women. And it's kind of a, sure. an ironic thing to have two men talking about it. But I think that that's part of the problem is that there aren't enough men who are willing to talk about these issues and sort of speak out and say like, look, dude, this is not fair. Like, this is not okay. Um, a lot of men I think are very uncomfortable discussing um, the topics of toxic masculinity and we shouldn't be, you know, like there's nothing. And I was just going to say, I was just going to say also, it's more important too that that it's men talking to other men about things. Um, it's it's easy for a man to talk to a woman about how, you know, toxic masculinity is a problem in our society and that women should have more leadership roles, but it doesn't change the it doesn't change the the uh, culture unless we talk to other men about it. Unless we you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I exactly know what you're saying because that's where a lot of these problems occur is like in the locker rooms, you know, like and I that's I don't I'm being figurative, but also something in a sense of being literal that like you, you hear Donald Trump talking about these awful things that he says about women and that's how he described it. Oh, it's just locker room talk. Well, what is the fact that you're in a locker room making it any less sexist or any less misogynistic right. you know like men need to start being more comfortable having these conversations with other men because i do think there are a lot of men who i guess would purport themselves to be gentlemen you know so to speak right but when but, but be, when there are women around you know like when there are women around they'll be on their best behavior and they wouldn't say anything you know offensive or degrading or derogatory but then when there's not any females in the room and it's just guys like i Personally, like that is grab them by the you know what exactly. It's grab them by the you know, and a lot of times I admit, like it's uncomfortable. I've been in situations where I'll hear men in groups, you know, talking about terrible things or disgusting things, or and I'm like, man, I really should say something, but I just don't, you know, because it's it's really uncomfortable. You don't want to be the one guy in a room full of six or eight or ten men saying like, actually, guys, that's kind of sexist. Like, you really shouldn't say, like, that's a hard thing to do, right? Right, yeah, especially if these are people that you like and you want them to like you. Right. Not to say that it shouldn't be done, but it does make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it, ma it makes it tough. And I think, you know, we need to start, we meaning, you know, men on men types of interactions, like we need to start, I guess, holding each other more accountable and doing a better job of yes. not just pretending like we give a crap about equal rights and, and, you know, female rights only when there are women around to sort of like impress, you know, with our care, with our... care about them when you're in the locker room and when you're on a bus with uh, Billy Bush. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it's, it's, it's a bummer that you haven't seen the movie. It actually is. A, it's a really, really good movie. Um, and the article that I read, it really, it just, frankly, it just really pissed me off. Cause I'm like, Oh, get over yourself, dude. Like he's, he's the kind of person who, you know, he's, he's probably married some, some girl who was perfectly all too happy to just, you know, have a billion kids and take care of the kitchen. And like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it bothers me. These men who feel like it's, 
it's like expected, you know, like that, 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 that a woman is doing something wrong if she chooses to do something with her life other than just to be a mother and a homemaker. Exactly. And, but, and you know, too, I, whatever his words are, whatever he says, it kind of doesn't really, it doesn't really make the movie any that much worse. I mean, the movie made a ton of money, didn't it? Oh, it yeah. It do better oh, yeah. than, than <laughs> a lot of the other movies. I mean, Captain Marvel's doing just fine. And that's, in fairness, like, that's also to do with the fact that it's just objectively a well-made film, and it's a good film. You know, and I wouldn't say, and I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, well, it's it's good in spite of the fact that it's a female. Because, you know, Hollywood does not traditionally give a lot of big action tentpole movies um, to female lead characters. So I think a lot of people traditionally would say, yeah, it did well in spite of the fact that it has a woman at its center. And I don't think that it should be looked at that way at all. It's just a good movie. You know, and the fact yeah. that the, the lead character is a woman it really shouldn't have anything to do with whether or not it was successful. It was successful because it's a it's a great movie, um, because it's got great performances. It was well directed and all that other stuff. And you got all these fanboys out here wearing their MAGA hats who are just pissed off that like you know that a woman is actually capable of carrying this incredible film on her shoulders. And I say good for her. Yeah, let us know how their tears taste. <laughs> yeah so um so yeah that's i think that's about all we've got on that you want to move on and we'll okay. get to your story sure let's do that so daniel is on the show i already mentioned um i think in the last episode i kind of set a little bit of context for his and i the relationship you and i've been friends for a while you and i know each other from the same circle of, of you know atheist friends from the uh the internet groups that we frequent and uh daniel is currently the the vice president right of the board on nia yes that's correct. And if you've been there since the beginning, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to just give us a quick just kind of rundown? How did you how did you wind up getting involved in an NIA like from the start? Well, I haven't always been the vice president. I came on after um, uh, we had a change in, in guard or whatever, and uh, we had we had a group get together who we we just met at Callahan's one night, and uh, we we wanted to start a non for profit organization that was a charitable organization that helped the community helped atheists uh, fight for the rights of atheists and work on church and state separation issues that that uh, were getting reported because we knew they were happening. Now, uh, we would always just kind of, you know, when, when we would get them from people or people would share them with us, we would, you know, kick it off to the Freedom from uh, Religion Foundation or American Atheists and see what they did with them. And we're like, you know, we need something in our community where people can, people know who we are, they can come to us and know, hey, if I have an issue with my kid at school uh, being forced to say a prayer or... Um, they see a teacher uh, leading a prayer with other students that they can report that and they know where to report that. Right. And right. Um, so so we just got together. We met. Um, I got a message from from Troy saying, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And of course, uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, definitely. Uh, we all we all met. We talked about the steps that we needed to take. Uh, we got together and we uh, made up some bylaws. Uh, we got uh, articles of incorporation from the state. And we got an employee identification number, and we applied to the U.S. Treasury for right, right. a 501c3 status. Crossed all, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. Dotted the I's, and then we just hit the ground running. In fact, we were doing that before uh, before we, we got our uh, not-for-profit status. We were already out there at the Pride events, and we were, you know, we had our website up, taking names for uh, church state violations, things like that. Right, just kind of in an unofficial capacity until it was all like government sanctioned and and what have you. So to, right, to kind of right. sum up, so like you like you mentioned, you've got your your Freedom from Religion Foundations, your FFRF, and you've got American Atheists, and there are others too, um, like the ACLU and things like that. 
you know, like there, yeah. are, there are all these like national entities that people can go to to try and kind of seek help. But you guys were basically saying like, look, we need an entity like on a more local scale. You know, like we need something that is specific to this area, uh, sort of like just someplace people can turn to when they're having these problems in a local sense. Because frankly, I'm sure right. it can be hard to get the attention of these national organizations because they're always busy fighting wildfires, you know, atheist wildfires in a million different places across the country, right? Sure. And they would probably take on those violations. It's just that you don't really think, well, you know, when, when you see something like that happening, hey, I need to, to, to alert the American atheists about it. But if you know that you have a local community or a local organization that you see, you know, stuff in your newsfeed all the time or you see ads or you see, uh, uh, you, you see our logo um, on right. the street. Right. Whatever you can do to just get the name to like stick in their head. Like it's like it's almost like a Ghostbusters thing. Like who are you going to call? Right. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that, that's somebody that I can talk to if this ever happens. And when it does, and then it has, you go straight to those people. You know, we have people say, hey, this stuff happens all the time. I don't like it. But never really thought, hey, you know, maybe I should report this to the Freedom from Religion Foundation or the ACLU. We never thought maybe it was as big of a story as, say, the stuff that the ACLU fights that you see on national news. They, You know, they're like, oh, well, it's not going to make national news. It doesn't really matter. Yes, it does matter. These things need to be fought at the grassroots level. And that's what we're here for. And and we're going to take those, every, you know, everything and look at it. And, you know, Noah, not only not only do we take some of these issues to FFRF and American Atheists, which we are an affiliate of American Atheists. I forgot to mention that. But we also just recently just sent a letter to um, the utilities, public utilities uh, building in, in Bloomington, just a letter from us. It wasn't a letter from from a lawyer or anything like that saying we got to complain about some Christian iconography sitting out on the desk and you know we know this is a public building and and this is you know shouldn't shouldn't be promoting one religion over another can you please take it down and that's what we did Troy sent the letter out there uh, Troy our president and they sent us a, a, the mayor sent us a, a nice letter back saying thank you for pointing this out uh, we talked to the person they felt you know um, that they were in agreement that it shouldn't be out and they took it down and they apologized and everything you know it it, it, it made a change. Right, absolutely. And even though it might be it might some people might consider that a small change, but you know what? It's a small step in the correct direction, right? Which is that Exactly. government entities, publicly owned entities should not be endorsing religion one way or another, and it's a it's a small thing, but right. that's, that's the way that it's supposed to work, right? Like you sent a letter, right. you made a request. I'm sure it was very well worded and very thoughtfully it written. Was. And it and it yes. went over well, man. That's it and it worked exactly. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. Now you know, as the mayor of Bloomington, Bloomington, I'm sure is a little bit more progressive than some of the, you know, mayors we have around here. Although our mayors are great, but you know, we didn't expect an answer like that. We were very pleased with the answer that the mayor of Bloomington gave us. And, and you know, you, people, how many times do people see things like that and they don't they don't think about it? They don't mention. They see something that a uh, that that uh, Northern Indiana atheist did, and they say, okay, that's not okay. We that keeps mounting up, and people see things that report it. And our hope is that it goes away, right? And that uh, people see that 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 uh, with the government, with a government entity, a government building, a government administration, those things you you can't take, you can't make a preference of one religion over another, right? And most people kind of ignore that. Most people ignore the principle of the matter because typically these violations are of a Christian nature, right? Like typically when you see these types of church state separation right. issues, they're, they're Christian, but like most people aren't bothered by that because frankly, most people are Christians. And that's kind of the problem right. is that it doesn't make the principle any less correct. And what I always try to tell people when they argue about this type of thing, well, most people are Christians, so it doesn't bother. That's fine. If we put a cross up, I was like, well, yeah, but what if it was a Quran? 
Like, would it, wouldn't it bother right. you if it were a Quran? And most people are like, well, yeah, screw that. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, it's the same exact principle it's the same either thing. way. Uh, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And really, if there's not a seat at the table for everybody, then there just shouldn't be a table. You know, certainly where government right. is concerned. Um, so, yeah, so NIA is fighting the good fight. Every day. I was just going to mention something about, you know, if you were to go to Iran and you were to see, you know, um, Islam iconography up and you would try to, you know, do something about it or say something about it. They say, well, you know, it's this is a Muslim country and we, we do you do have a state uh, sponsor of religion or state um established religion and your your crosses in your in your uh, precious moments dolls would not be welcome no but it's good because like it, it's a fair point though too because when you look at most countries that are officially like church sponsored or church endorsed and they are they are typically you know middle eastern countries that that have that like official um, religious sponsorship like that does not tend to work out so well <laughs> you know when you look like you have a lot of people here i think who say we, we are a christian nation or certainly wish that we were a christian nation in terms of like making that i guess sort of an official thing but i would always be the first one to point out like look at those other countries where like where the church like officially kind of runs the show it does not it does not go so, so well <laughs> you know and historically it hasn't gone so well even when it was the christian church you know, running the governments, you know, like back in right. the day, you, you've got the Spanish Inquisition and all those kinds of things. And um, it just, it just doesn't go well. It just historically does not work out. It's just better if we don't do it that way. That's my right. Opinion. And even here, even here in the United States, we um, have had a history, a sort of history of not treating even all Christians the same. Um, one of, one of my, one of my good friends is a Mormon and we talk about church state issues all the time. And Mormons are ones are one of the, uh, I would say, Christian denominations uh, that highly supports the separation of church and state because it's, at one point they were not wanted by the uh, by the evangelicals or by the Protestants uh, sure. here in the United that's, States. And they that's thought kind they of were, still the case. They're still kind of like the black sheep amongst the Christian denominations. Right. And uh, they, uh, they were afraid that the Mormon, I would say, I'm sorry, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints were coming in, and and the uh, Protestants were afraid that um, they were uh, going to change their laws, and and they were they were afraid they were going to change their laws and uh, make them more suitable to Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. And right. matter, so, so they were like, no, 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 we're good. Like we don't we don't need we don't need government right. uh, making these kinds of decisions. We're we're fine. <laughs> exactly. And um and he told me this, and I actually was really shocked by it. I looked it up, and I found out that it was true that in I believe it was in Minnesota. Up until the 70s, uh, it was legal to kill somebody who was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints without um, repercussions. Really? Look it up, dude. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, I, so... I imagine it's one of those laws that uh, that's on the books but isn't really enforced. Or wouldn't, you know, <laughs> Right. But well, the I mean, fact like, that how, it how long did how long did the law stay on the book, like making it okay to murder a witch? You know, I mean, like you look at the Salem right. witch trials and stuff like that, and that was all done in our country. Those were all legal activities at the time to execute these people based on right. committing the, the crime of witchcraft, as right. as found guilty, not by the laws of our country, but by the laws of the church. Right? You know, exactly. So yeah, it's just it just historically doesn't go well when church and religion uh, mix. And so, yeah, to your point, Freedom from Religion Foundation, American Atheists, they're fighting the good yeah. fight on a, on a national scale. But Northern Indiana Atheists, you guys saw a need, and uh, you guys filled it. And I'm so proud to be affiliated with NIA. I'm a member of NIA. Um, so, so that's we kind of got that out of the way. So now, but Daniel, you. 
um, personally have your own story in terms of your, I guess, kind of journey towards non-belief. And um, we have a big announcement that you uh, have been excited to make, and we're going to make it on this show. So if you want to go ahead, why don't you just give us whatever version of your story, and you and I have talked about your story being a little bit shorter than most. I mean, it has to do with the nature of your announcement. But without further ado, do you want to just give us um, whatever version of your story you want and then um, make your announcement whenever you want? Sure. Um, the journey of how I became an atheist is, is really short. It's, it's like uh, how most atheists that I know kind of came to that point where um, when, they, when they became adults and they were on a journey on their own, they slowly drifted away from church and kind of stayed there and then didn't really think about the idea of – they didn't think about the idea of whether or not a god existed or not. It wasn't really part of the – thought process or anything. It was more of a thing. I don't really want to go to church. I don't care about church. Um, for me anyway, it was the fact that a lot of my views were different than the churches that I had attended in the past. So social issues like uh, same-sex marriage and uh, helping the poor, things like that were not, were, our, my views with the churches that I was, was attending did not line up with mine. And sure. so I didn't go because I, I, why would I go and listen to some stuff that I didn't agree with, right? even if right. I didn't believe in the existence of a, of a, of a deity. So that didn't really um, take place until I would say about six or seven years ago, a little less than a decade, um, where I started thinking about the existence of a God, wh whether a God existed or not, because I had taken a journey to some other religions. I had attended a uh, Unitarian Universalist church in Elkhart for a while. Um, I had gone to some meetings where the members were Buddhists, and I listened to some of their ideas. I've actually, I've actually heard really good things about the Unitarian um, Church in Elkhart. I've, I've, I've known some yeah. people who have gone to it, and they speak very highly Wonderful of it. Even, people. even knowing that I'm an atheist, yeah. they're like, "You'd be totally welcome there." And I was like, "That's kind of cool." Yes. you know. Yeah, they're very cool people. Um, very nice. Um, Shout out to the Unitarians of Elkhart. Yeah, <laughs> and South Bend. Um, and South Bend. Okay. Well, yes. Uh, and I, I attended a meeting with some some Buddhists there, and. Kind of just it seemed like uh, the the idea of reincarnation and nirvana and things like that was all based on you know promises of an afterlife, promises of things that you kind of had to like believe in first to have faith in for them to happen. And that sounded very familiar. Right. So um, uh, that's kind of my journey. Um, came to a point where I decided I have to make a decision. I was agnostic for a little while, and then I came to a point where I decided I need to to make a decision whether I believe in a deity or not. And so I, I identified as an atheist. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the existence of a God. And when people ask me, okay, well, do you know that for sure? I had a pretty good idea that a deity didn't exist because I didn't have the evidence, right? That's what most people say. Right. And I was introduced to this concept of agnostic atheism, which it, I would say right. it's, it's not really a spectrum. It's more like you separate your, you separate your knowledge and your belief, right? Right, and it's so there required. Are like, you... I think a lot of people don't realize that, like, it's required that you identify in both ways, anyhow, to make a complete, like, I guess, painting of what your beliefs are in terms of agnostic atheism, gnostic atheism, you know, gnostic uh, theism or agnostic theism. Like, you have to pick one of each before you're really representing what your belief set is, right? Sure. Except that I, when I was when I was growing up, I was a theist, theist or whatever. I mean, I I believe that God existed, and I knew that God existed. Like, I really right. actually knew that God existed, even though I didn't have the evidence. Right. And of course, you know, theist. we all kind of make those, you know, mind jumps and stuff like that. But that's what I would have identified as. 
Uh, right, back you believed day. it because you were told to believe it. Because <laughs> you exactly. were exactly, yeah, it. yeah, and of course, rainbows and flowers and pussy cats all mean that God exists. So, <laughs> I, like, I, I thought about that a little bit more, and I knew, okay, well, that's true. I, I can't no more say that I know that a God doesn't exist than I can say that I do know that a God exists, right? So, do I believe that a God exists? No. Do I know that a God exists? No, and no more than I know that a tooth fairy exists or Santa Claus exists. I don't have the evidence yet. I'm not willing to, I'm not going to, I don't have to, I don't have to say that, that a God doesn't exist in order to be an atheist. I don't have to say that, that, that Noah Bush isn't Batman without having, you know, with, without that knowledge that I know that, that he isn't Batman. I don't need to. It's not one of those things that come up in, in my mind that, that operate or that drive my life force that I really need to worry about. Right. The only time but, I ever need to worry about it is when I'm being stomped on by a Christian or when somebody's being nasty uh, by telling me that I need to believe. That's the only time it ever comes into my mind. Which, but if you were to come over to my house and you were to discover a trap door leading down to an intricate system of caves wherein I was hiding, you know, mech suits and like Batmobiles and things like that, then then you might uh, question whether I am Batman, right? Because I, like, mo- I would I would start to, yeah, I would have to examine the evidence, but there would be something that could be examined. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because like most yeah. atheists, if, 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 if anyone's willing to bring us credible or empirical evidence, we're always going to be welcome to, to taking a look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. And now that you say that, I'm going to have to look into the night sky and I see if I can see a symbol <laughs> reflected off the moon. And I mean, uh, I'm not saying I'm not Batman, but we haven't seen you guys in the same room, so you know. Well, you actually you can ask uh, Angie, a good fr- good friend of ours, and also a member yeah. of NIA. She has literally seen me dressed up as Batman before. <laughs> so, how were you at her birthday party? Yes, I was at her birthday okay. party. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, so yeah, that's that's my journey to atheism. It's it's not an exciting story. It's kind of boring, but you know. I get really suspicious of the the big exciting stories that people have of their of their leaps to like belief or non-belief or things like that. A lot of times, you know, I when I was growing up, I would hear I was, you know, at the at the at the rock bottom and and I, you know, everybody had abandoned me and then I looked up and I saw the face of Jesus and he took my hand and walked me to heaven. And ever since then, I've been a Christian. I'm like, right. Mm, the con- yeah, the, con- the conversions to religion yeah. are usually in fair. And I'll say this in all fairness. Like the conversions to religion are a lot sexier, right? Like they're a lot more yeah. like, attention grabbing. And you're right. Like and they sell books. Like, yeah. They're, yeah. They're yeah. down and out or like they're drug addicts or prostitutes. They get you, or, they get you uh, followers and, and positions in leadership in churches. Yeah. Right, or they had a tumor and they prayed and like like yeah. you know all the miraculous stuff. But like with atheists, it's usually just kind of like eh, I just kind of realized it's all bullshit. Like it's usually that's kind of like some variation on that exact same idea <laughs> that like yeah. uh, you know church kind of sucked, so I stopped going for a little while and I didn't get struck by yeah. lightning, and so I just kind of realized <laughs> you know it was all baloney. Yeah, but you did have, and I and I'll try and kind of segue this in because you did want to touch on it a little bit. You did have a little bit more of a of a, a less than typical story of your uh, was it your your upbringing, right? Was kind of where the yeah the intrigue comes into play. Sure. So um, it was uh, from birth up until I was about twelve or so. My family attended Faith Assembly in North Webster, Indiana, Northern Indiana, which is a faith healing cult and it was run by Hobart Dr. Hobart Freeman who um, through this uh, most of the 70s 80s and part of the part of the 60s um, taught faith healing and uh, they issued insurance healing glasses they smashed their glasses in the hopes that that have faith in God and praying 
and believing would heal whatever illnesses that they had. Right. And uh, they didn't they didn't take insurance. Like I said, they smashed their glasses and he used Bible theology. He was a theology professor at Grace uh, Theological Biblical Seminary. And so he knew his Bible. He knew his scripture. He was really good at it. And he was a very I don't say he was he wasn't as charismatic as, say, like Benny Hinn or those people. He was like a, a very like a very talkative uh, Mike Pence. Kind of stoic, but then still, you know, able to to verbalize things and get really excited and passionate about it. Whereas Mike Pence looks like he's on Ambien or something. <laughs> right. So just to, just to sum up, for anyone listening, if if they were to go back and think, wait, did he just say what I think he said? Yes, he said cult. Um, and Daniel is not make that's not hyperbolic. Like Daniel is being no. completely earnest when he says like that's the situation that he was you know raised in for a while. It was legitimately like a cult and not like in a making right. fun type of sense. It was an actual no. cult. No. And and the reason I that I separate cult from sect, like you know the Amish are a sect. Um, a cult. We weren't. Uh, we were highly discouraged from interacting with anybody who wasn't a part of our church. So we didn't talk to. We talked to family members some, but only my dad would like call my grandma and grandpa. We we didn't visit or you know they would if they sent Christmas presents we would throw them away before they even got inside the house because there might be demons in them. Right. And uh, we I did go to school for, for public school for first grade, but it was terrible. Because I get sick, and I would literally almost want to, to, to. I I felt like sitting uh, on the on the bed in the nurses' station was going to send me to hell, because I was getting treatment for being sick. Like I wouldn't even let the nurse take my temperature. Right, because you were taught that that was evil. That that was not. Right. That that was yeah sacrilege. Right. Um. So, and then of course I couldn't make any friends there because they didn't go to my church, and so I was suspicious of everyone. Um, I was praying for everything all the time so that the, the demons that might be there uh, wouldn't enter my body and make me sick. And of course, I get sick and be like, well, probably because of the demons. And then I almost uh, psychologically break down because I was visibly sick and throwing up and they sent me to the nurse's office and I didn't want to go. I just wanted to go home. Right. And uh, so we, I did have uh, friends next door who also went to our church, two girls, and uh, my, my mom's parents went to the church as well and i had no like interactions with with anybody else we weren't able to like talk or interact or do anything like that because of the the fear that um of, of demons or that something something entering our our bodies in our house that could make us sick sure so um of a, of a congregation of about two thousand people a hundred people died of medically preventable illnesses no, wow. and that's all stuff that's that the uh, Warsaw County Coroner and the uh, the public health department had calculated. They had been tracking this church for a while when they started to see get cases of people with meningitis, things that could be fixed. Um, right, and that's a hundred people out of two. Like that's a lot. Like a hundred people, like to a lot of people these days, doesn't sound like a huge number. But like out of two thousand parishioners, that's a lot right. of deaths. And that I mean, one one death is tragic. You know. Right. And these weren't just deaths by, by a car accident, Noah. These were medically preventable deaths. So right, right. these were things that could have been prevented by, by medicine or um, some prenatal care or um, some preventative care or 
just some medicine. Right. And like, never mind vaccines and like how strongly I feel about right. the anti-vet, but like these, are, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about just like, I'm, I'm assuming like really routine stuff, like even setting vaccines aside, like things that just with basic oh, medical care could have saved a life. Right. Because we did not go to the doctor. Ever, ever, we ever. We didn't go to the right? doctor for anything. No, no, not even, um, not even for a cold or anything like that. Wow. Um, not even, uh, like a broken arm or anything like that. Wow. Uh, one story that my dad told me was one one of the one of the ways that like he started to see how how bad this was and start to think about his own family and his own life and what decisions he would make if he were presented with the same kind of situations was a friend of his went on a missions trip um, and I I don't remember where it was it doesn't matter but he contracted malaria and he was talking talking to my mom or his his mom about uh, this happening and she said Jim and my my grandma and grandpa were missionaries in Haiti at the time. So they knew about malaria. They knew that you could get a pill for like $10, a bottle of pills for $10, and it would it would fix the, the malaria. And, and then you wouldn't and, have malaria. <laughs> exactly. And so he's, my grandma's like, you know what? I'll just send you the pills. Just give them to him. He's like, he won't take them. He won't do it. He doesn't want any, any pills. And of course, you know, everybody had big families and stuff because they didn't use contraception either. And so... Um, he had, I would say, between uh, seven or to ten kids. He refused. He refused this this cheap malaria medication and died. It left his his wife and and a bunch of kids without a breadwinner. And my dad's like, "Well, what would I do in that situation?" He's like, "I, I later decided I probably wouldn't do it." But then, you know, this guy prayed and prayed and prayed, and it didn't work. Right, because as we all know, the power of prayer plus pills usually equals getting better. But when you just do the prayer, it doesn't typically work out so no. well, you know. No, and do whatever you want to do, but as long as you're, you know, um, as long as you're accepting medical help, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Pray. Whatever. Like take sure. the pills and then pray yeah. your little heart's desire, but like take the damn pills too, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And then for my mom, it was the fact that this, the whole idea of demons, demons were the things that, so separation from God, you know, God wants to help you. God wants to, uh, God has these promises in the Bible that he's going to take care of all of your, your needs and iniquities and diseases. And he promises that he's going to do it, but you have to meet these, these certain uh, criteria first. And you have to meet all those things. And if you don't, then you leave the door open for demons to come in. And right. demons, of course, are the, are the reason why you get sick. Demons are the reason why you get into a car accident. Demons are the reason why uh, you lost your job, right? And right. so, uh, so, so they talked about. And of course, you know, we we didn't have a lot of money. A lot of other people didn't have money either. The leadership started talking about, you know, getting getting uh, dishes, getting silverware, getting bed sheets, all that kind of stuff from a thrift store could lead open the door for demons. Because let's say you you bought a you bought a, a cast iron skillet at the at the Salvation Army, right? What if that cast iron skillet belonged to a witch? Okay, that that cast iron skillet's got demons in it, and that cast iron skillet goes to your house, and you use it to cook, and you touch it; those demons will go right in you, and you won't even know it hit you. Yeah. And guess what? Next thing you know, why invite the devil into your house? Don't invite the devil into your house. You're going to get sick. Right. And this, and obviously, this stuff all sounds crazy, even to I would imagine most contemporary Christian believers, you know. But like that's oh, the yeah, problem. Absolutely. Is that, like you know, when, whenever you have these types of super supernatural, superstitious belief, there are always going to be people who push it to the extreme and take it to dangerous levels, like the situation you know that you grew up in. But but Noah, they were following the Bible. That's the thing. They the were actually Bible. following the Bible. The same one. They were they were yes. 
So they were taking the scriptures, you know, Hobart Freeman, he was a, he, he he's dead now from medically preventable illness, but he is, <laughs> with a, with a small dose of irony on the side. Yeah. Heart disease. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, a sword is like, so yeah, he, he, um, and that whole story about how he passed away is pretty incredible too. So, so, um, they were faced with the prospect of getting rid of everything in their house that they had bought secondhand. How are you going to do that? You have to get rid of everything, almost everything that you use on a daily basis to take care of your basic needs. Right. And the, the idea that, okay, this is going a little too far kind of sparked that, uh, that, that, that uh, a notion that maybe this was kind of, uh, we keep it PG 13 here, but bull, um, bull hooky. Okay. I've said no. I've um, said bullshit before. I think I've, I've said okay. Shit. All right, I'm, I'm just be careful here. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate the caution. But you know what? Maybe that's a good point to stop you. Um, and because I know part of what you and I talked about before coming on the air, um, to do with your announcement is that you know obviously when I asked you to be on the show, I was aware of some of this about your upbringing, and um, frankly, from a show producer standpoint, I was kind of excited to think, yeah, Daniel's story is a super exciting, not exciting, but you know, it's an attention grabbing one. It's I different. Knew it would be, yeah, it would be interesting for people to hear. But there was a reason, uh-huh. and I'll let you explain from there. There was a reason why you talked about the idea of not kind of giving away the whole story on the show and why I kind of promised you that I would not push you too hard for too many details about telling the full story on the show. And what is that sure. reason, Daniel? So, Noah, what um, what happened, you know, when I was talking to you first about, you know, some of my backgrounds, I started thinking this story needs to be told this, uh, this, uh, story about it, just not only the fact that it's an interesting story about, um, a cult here in Northern Indiana is that it did happen here in Indiana in Northern Indiana. It's part of our, it's part of our area. It's part of our community and, and that that story needs to be told and that it, it's, uh, it has been told in some ways or another, but so I talked to Troy and we talked to, to the board of directors, the rest of the board of directors, and we got the green light to to make it to produce a documentary about Faith Assembly and the, the Glory Barn and Hobart Freeman. So we are we are set to to produce it. And at this point, we're at the at the stage where we're uh, finding somebody to direct, and uh, we're going to to raise funds and do some fundraisers to get to get this done. Awesome. And we're looking to have it finished within hopefully within five years, hopefully less. So there you go. That's that's the big announcement. Yeah. So there's, yeah, you heard it yeah. here first on There Is No Godcast. We're gonna we're gonna have the first uh, Northern Indiana atheist produced documentary feature film. Yes. Yes. And it's 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 uh, we're planning to to produce it and to make it as a feature film, not as a series or anything like that. Although I think there's enough there's enough substance for a series, but oh sure, and it won't be a short. But as a feature film um, to talk about uh, Hobart Freeman. And about the start in the Glory Barn, and the move to to the building in North Webster where Faith Assembly took place. That's awesome. And so yeah, so obviously you yeah. know as, as excited as I was to have you on the show, and, and we talked about it. I was like, yeah, I, I get it. You don't want you don't want to give away the goods. <laughs> you know, you want to give people a reason to come and see the movie once it's ready. And obviously, um, I will be more than happy as pr- as production moves along, as development moves along, as um, production progresses to keep the audience updated on where things stand with the documentary. I'm sure people are going to want to know. Sure. And I'm already, I can't wait to see it. Um, I definitely want to support it in any way I can. So obviously just, you know, you guys keep me in the loop. If, if you guys have a Kickstarter or if there's any kind of anything like that, absolutely, definitely let me know and we'll get it out there on the show. And so thank you so much for coming on the show to make that announcement. I also absolutely. have an announcement that we talked about. 
and this one also has to do with Daniel. We're going to probably start wrapping up because it's about that time. But um, I wanted to announce Daniel and myself and Troy are the three best friends that anybody could have. Uh, coming yes. up, what it, when is it? It's in April, right? It's uh, April... Uh, uh, 19, 17, 18, and 19? No, it's, I've got the website up in front of me. It's April 19th oh, okay. through the 21st in Cincinnati, Ohio. American atheists are having their annual uh, national convention. Uh, Daniel, Troy, and myself will all be at the convention. Not only will we be at the convention, but NIA and the podcast are going to be joining forces, and we are going to have a table at the convention. We will we will have a presence at the, at the convention. Um, Daniel's going to be there. Troy's going to be there. Yours truly is going to be there, um, hawking the show and going around yeah. and ex- experiencing the, uh, you know, what, what, what would they be called? I guess like sessions, right? They'll probably have presentations and sessions. Yes. Um, so anybody who's listening to this, man, Very how cool would it be if anybody came and actually found our table? I've already been toying with the idea, Daniel, of having some kind of giveaway, get some, like get some Ooh. merch, like, yeah, like some NIA okay. t-shirts and like something to kind of involve yeah, the show to be like, Hey, here's the, here, like, here's the, the passcode. Like first person who comes up to the table and like, you know, utters this phrase gets a t-shirt or something like that. Cause I want to, oh, I, I think, cause I think it'd be so cool if we were to actually find that we have fans um, listening to the show beyond just like my Facebook friends, basically. That'd I think be wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. That's, yes. I'm, I'm very excited. And this would be my first one. How many have you been to? Uh, zero. This will, this will be my first. Zero. So just the fact that it's going to be a first for us is really exciting. The fact that uh, we're going to be there with the table and that, that, uh, that there is no guy cast is going to be taking it up over there. And, and, and talking to people, I think that's really great. I hope you get some, uh, meet some cool people and come say hi to us. Yeah, come say hi. Come find us at the convention. Yes. Did you wait? And for the record, did you just say tinging it up? Did you just make tinging a, it up? That's did right. You just make a verb out of Ting the it, show? baby. I love yes, it. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so there we you have, have a poetic it. license here, don't we? Okay. Dude, that's how you end a show strong, baby. Strong. We've got, <laughs> we've got the documentary, the announcement of the feature length uh, documentary about um, the Faith Assembly. Um, we've got the American Atheist National Convention where Ting and Northern Indiana Atheists will, will have a presence at the show. So, dude, this has, mm-hmm. been, this has been a good uh, climactic finale. I don't figure we can really top this. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate you doing Absolutely. it. I can't wait thank to go to the, so I can't wait to go to convention with you. Yes. We're going to have a great time. Heck yeah. We're going to stay up late. Yeah. We're going to eat ice cream for dinner. We're going to get to, <laughs> we're going to do anything we want. I'll bring you plenty of we're popsicles. Pizza every day. <laughs> I'm going to make you fall. I'm going to make you fall off the wagon. Um, all right guys, this, oh this God. about does it. Uh, so don't forget oh. to check us out on Facebook, uh, at there is no Godcast. We're on uh, Twitter at no Godcast. Of course, do not forget to support Northern Indiana atheists. You can find them at northernindianaatheist.com or just Google Northern Indiana atheists. You you know you can find like guys. Anyone listening to this show clearly freaking knows how to use the internet. If you're looking for us, you won't have much trouble finding us. I'm Noah Bush. I was joined today by my good friend, Vice President of the Board, Daniel Dick. Um, please Yo. join us next time, Daniel. Thanks again, man. We're gonna have to do this again. Thank and, you, Noah. And I think yes. I'll, I'll probably plan on recording some stuff at the convention. I think that'd be really fun. And um, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so too. So thanks. No, again. with his tape recorder and microphone. Yeah, yes, yeah for sure. Uh, don't forget, don't forget to rate and review the show if you haven't already. Please share the show. I'm just gonna keep on begging and shilling until until I'm I'm happy. Until we've got seven billion listeners, I'm gonna keep begging. Uh, join us next time. In the meantime, do not stop not believing. We'll talk to you then.